Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Andrew Cuomo is the most hated man in New York, maybe all of America, and it couldn't have happened to a more deserving guy. By now, most everyone knows that Cuomo is the Hannibal Lecter of serial sexual predators. In a damning 165-page report by the state attorney general, the governor is exposed in sickening detail as a man who sexually preyed on nearly a dozen women, forcing himself on them with, quote, unwanted groping, fondling, kissing, and hugging. Like Lecter, he consumed victim after victim to satiate his unquenchable desires. Attorney, Fox News legal analyst, and two-time New York Times best-selling author. This is the brief with Greg Jarrett. By now, you've all heard me talk about my pillow, and now Mike has done it again by introducing his new my slippers. Mike has taken over two years to develop. It's designed to wear indoors, outdoors, all day long, made with MyPillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue. Made with quality leather suede. For a limited time, Mike is offering 40% off his new My Slippers. The My Slippers are so comfortable, you'll want to get some for the whole family. I love mine. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Listener's Square and use promo code Greg, G-R-E-G-G. You will also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream Bed Sheets, the MyPillow Mattress Topper, and MyPillow Towel Sets, or just call 1-800-544-8939 and use promo code G-R-E-G-G. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. The name Cuomo is now synonymous with the word creep. But anyone who has paid attention to his notorious career and insufferable behavior knew it long ago. He's infamous in Washington and Albany for being an arrogant ass. Bereft of friends, he's operated like a mafia don by ruling through intimidation, fear, and threats. Nobody likes him. They never have. Bullies don't have friends. So it's no wonder that the cacophony of calls for his head is now deafening. Everyone has run for the exits and deserted him. But that's not likely to motivate Andrew Cuomo to resign. No, it's not in his DNA to do the right thing. That would require a conscience. He's never had one. Narcissists don't. Cuomo once boasted to his brother Fredo, a.k.a. Chris Cuomo on CNN, quote, I am the love gov. Then he added, quote, I'm a cool dude in a loose mood. That was followed by the cringy statement, I'm single and ready to mingle. 
while Fredo was lapping it up and egging him on, viewers must have been running for the barf bucket. It's just one of the many reasons why the CNN ratings have tanked. Propped up on air by his pompous sibling, the elder Cuomo thought he could spread his unrequited love to any young thing that passed his way. Without consent, he grabbed women's butts, massaged their breasts, and squeezed and lip-locked women who were repulsed by his hypersexualized behavior. You can read it for yourself. Every nauseating account is described meticulously in the AG's report. No honest person believes Cuomo's vapid denials. Not even dishonest people are buying his I'm-the-real-victim BS. Why? Because bullies always lie, and Cuomo is a prodigious liar. He's elevated it to an art form. He lied about his nursing home order that killed thousands of elderly patients in New York, and then he lied about the number of deaths in those care facilities. He memorialized his lies in a book that's filled with them, and then he lied about how the book was written and edited while he pocketed a cool five million bucks in one of the greatest rip-offs of all time. Maybe it'll be a good thing if Randy Andy doesn't throw in the towel and quit. Just as sunshine is the best disinfectant, perhaps an impeachment trial is precisely what the doctor ordered. The proceedings would further expose Cuomo's penchant for sexual harassment, assault, and retaliation. Not that further humiliation and condemnation would ever humble a sexist pig whose ego is as big as all outdoors. Impeachment would also expose those in Cuomo's inner circle, who acted as his enablers and protectors, setting up encounters where the predator-in-chief could victimize women at will. People like Melissa DeRosa, who's as mean as a junkyard dog, identified 187 times in this scathing report. It says she tried to bury the sexual harassment allegations against her boss, even helped leak an accuser's personnel file in a vindictive effort to discredit the accuser. It was classic retaliation, which, by the way, is against the law. But let's not forget about CNN's favorite blowhard, Chris Cuomo. He, too, is identified in the report as the leading force behind his big bro's lies. While pretending to be a journalist, he secretly strategized with his brother on how to blame and defame the victims. Little bro contributed to the, quote, toxic harassment culture that was allowed to flourish according to the report. CNN has taken no action against him, which is no real surprise. The network's powerful executive vice president, Alison Gullist, the number two person in CNN's hierarchy, used to work for Andrew Cuomo. How very cozy. So let's have all of this put out on full display for an upcoming impeachment trial. Why allow the Cuomo clan to evade public scrutiny of their sordid acts? And while we're at it, 
prosecutors should be eyeballing criminal charges against the governor. Within the first 24 hours after the report became public, four district attorneys in Albany, Nassau, Westchester, and Manhattan all announced criminal investigations of Andrew Cuomo. The grounds for charges are contained in the Attorney General's report, Forcible Touching, which is unwanted fondling and groping of sexual and private parts, sexual assault and battery, and criminal harassment. The four DAs have already made formal requests for all of the evidence gathered by the Attorney General. They will use that to build their own cases should they decide to pursue it. They absolutely should. Now, separately, there's a federal investigation still going on into whether Cuomo cooked the books and lied in the number of nursing home deaths in order to avoid or deter a Justice Department probe into his actions. And the law is quite clear on this. Attempting to prevent a government investigation constitutes obstruction of justice. And finally, there's another investigation into Cuomo's lucrative book deal and whether he used government workers to write and edit his book. Converting government resources for personal financial gain is a crime. It's called corruption. On the street, it's called theft. And let's not forget Cuomo's civil liability. All 11 accusers could use the incriminating evidence collected by the AG to bring lawsuits for money damages against Cuomo for sexual harassment, retaliation, and a hostile work environment. These are the very laws that the Attorney General concluded that Andrew Cuomo egregiously violated. Joining us now to talk about the Cuomo scandals is Candace Jackson. She served as a top official in the Office of Civil Rights in the U.S. Department of Education. She was actually the office's acting assistant secretary, and our audience may remember her as the attorney for Kathy Shelton, who was the victim of sexual assault, and her attacker was defended by none other than Hillary Clinton. Candace is also the author of the book, their Lives, the Women Targeted by the Clinton Machine. Candace, thanks so much for being with us. So I know you've read this really damning, scathing uh, report about Governor Andrew Cuomo uh, produced by the state attorney general um, through two very fine uh, lawyer investigators that spent more than four months collecting the evidence, tens of thousands of of pieces of evidence, 179 people were were interviewed. And as the attorney general said, it is compelling and persuasive evidence against Cuomo, that the uh, accusers are credible, uh, their accusations are, quote-unquote, well-documented. Uh, um, so you've read the report. How damning is it against Cuomo? I think that one of the one of the most compelling things about the report is it's the the breadth and scope of this investigation. This this was this was a very serious investigation, uh, as you said. Uh, tens of thousands of documents were subpoenaed. Uh, not only were 179 people interviewed, but uh, I believe uh, about 40 40 or more were uh, had testimony under oath. 
Uh, they did. The investigators did not just do a one-sided investigation. They also interviewed the governor. And so at the end of all of that evidence, uh, to have the, the conclusion be that uh, in at least 11 instances, accusations uh, go from um, allegation to more likely than not true, and to find that the governor's denials... And, tr- and attempts at explanation were found to be uh, not credible. Let's not forget what we're talking about. It's it's <laughs> it's a pattern of uh, a range of sexually inappropriate comments and touchings. Uh, yeah, against, I mean, uh, at least when you read it and the accounts given by these these women, uh, you know, he is grabbing their butts. Uh, he is fondling their breasts, uh, squeezing women, lip-locking them, you know, kissing them uh, without consent. Um, His comments to them are highly sexually charged, according uh, to the attorney general. Um, what What I'm trying to figure out is his defense. Nobody seems to believe him, quite frankly. Maybe his, his brother Chris Cuomo believes him, although, frankly, I personally doubt that. Um, his defense seems to be, I didn't do it. In other words, I didn't do it all 11 times. And his backup defense was seemed to be based on this slideshow showing him uh, you know, hugging and kissing and inappropriately touching a great many other people in the past. Isn't that a bit like uh, saying, well, I kissed and inappropriately touched other people, so it's okay for me to do the same thing with these women? Uh, It's a a bit like a bank robber uh, who says, well, I got away with robbing a bunch of other banks, so I should be allowed to continue doing it. We might call it the Joe Biden defense. Uh, There's something to be said for... um I, I suppose men, especially of a certain generation, thinking that uh, non-consensual, friendly touchings are are appropriate. There is a cultural dynamic to that. Uh, but on the other hand, it, it's it's certainly no good defense and no good excuse uh, for a couple of reasons. One, even at that level, it's not okay. I think the culture has shifted. And someone like uh, like the governor, who has purported to understand the Me Too movement and the, the cultural shift toward respecting uh, women, that kind of what he might try now to call innocent uh, touching is, is not okay on its face. And then second, of course, that has nothing to do with the actual allegations brought forward and uh, investigated and determined to be credible in this report. Uh, you know, putting your arm around someone or, or kissing their cheek when you meet them is not the same thing as drilling an employee about her sex life. I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, there's a movement afoot to impeach him. There's no question about that. They may decide next week, the assembly, to take a vote. There appears to be more than a majority uh, who have stated on the record he should be impeached if he doesn't resign. But beyond impeachment, um, he is looking at potential criminal jeopardy because four district attorneys uh, from Albany, Nassau, Westchester, uh, Manhattan have all, each of them, announced uh, an investigation into whether Cuomo committed crimes. 
And I'm wondering uh, how likely it is that those DAs may go forward. And and I'm just taking the most egregious incident uh, told the attorney general of a woman who was uh, lured to the governor's mansion uh, where he allegedly lifted her blouse without consent against her will and fondled her breasts. Now, just looking at the penal code in New York, uh, it looks like uh, forcible touching, which is unwanted fondling and groping of sexual and private parts. Penal code section 130.52 might also be under the penal code uh, sexual assault and battery, not to mention criminal harassment, which is a crime uh, under under New York law. So, you know, how likely is it that we're going to see uh him criminally held to account. Well, the the contradictory defense that he's putting up is 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 hard to take seriously. There is certainly a um an aspect of uh culture that you know, being a little overly friendly especially to women used to be more acceptable than it is, used to be more innocent and, uh, you know, written off uh, as innocent than it is now. But the problem I have with that defense is that it it has, one, nothing to do with the allegations that were actually brought up, investigated, and declared to be credible in this report. Uh, kissing someone on the cheek when you meet them, even though they, that might make them uncomfortable, is not the same thing as drilling an employee about her sex life. It just, even at the level of, well, I'm just a, a hugsy, friendly kind of guy, people might have uh, misinterpreted it, has nothing to do with clearing him of of the, the charges that were actually discussed in this report. Does that strike you as right or fair? Does that, I mean, that, it strikes me as, as wrong. You know, I mean, if you violate the law, you, you ought to be prosecuted for it. Yeah, I guess uh, I, I step back and in the bigger picture, I, I think our, our criminal justice system has a big, big, big problem that we need to take care of first. And that is that we do a pretty awful job of prosecuting and convicting for rape. And then when you have a, a sliding scale of, of assaults that, that, you know, run the gamut, Sure, theoretically, it would be nice if every single person in every single instance of an unwanted touching was held to account, even under criminal law. But boy, I, I I'd like us to focus on on uh, getting better at holding the most serious um, sexual yeah. offenses. Yeah. But, but look, these women, um, you know, they suffered uh, terribly, the mental and emotional pain and suffering, the anguish, the anxiety. I mean, you read it in the report, and we've heard it uh, in a couple of the televised interviews that the fear and trepidation of further aggression uh, by this man. And, and so I'm sure our audience is saying, well, why even have Crimes such as those I described, forcible touching, sexual assault and battery, criminal ha- harassment. Why even have them uh, in the penal code if law enforcement prosecutors aren't going to prosecute? Well, it's it's not that I, I mean, like you said, they are being looked at. Uh, but if if there's a an issue of how likely it is that 
any one of the criminal probes will go the distance and, and actually result in a conviction. I, I think it's kind of a slim, a slim chance of that. But it is being looked at from that angle. And it's also important for sexual harassment victims to understand and be supported in the fact that they have multiple avenues, right? They've got some accountability uh, in a politician uh, setting with with respect to what the assembly might do and with respect to what the attorney, state attorney general is, has already done now. They have uh, the option of civil lawsuits to obtain some redress and compensation and vindication uh, that way. So there are multiple avenues. You know, as the attorney general pointed out in vivid detail, uh, it's against both state and federal law to engage in sexual harassment, retaliation, uh, and creating a hostile work environment for employees. Um, and she said that the attorney general uh, egregiously violated those laws, including the very law that he signed into law. So these would you gauge that these are fairly viable civil lawsuits for money damages uh, against Cuomo and indeed the state of New York? Yes, I do think that the victims, particularly the employees, but but really all uh, ha- have a very viable path forward um, in civil litigation. Um, the other aspect of this is that and again, this is in the report. Uh, and it, it's quite detailed, is that his inner circle, top aides, acted as both his enablers and his protectors. Uh, they are the ones who set up uh, many of the encounter, encounters and after the fact then uh, tried to cover it up. Uh, and in, in the case of Melissa DeRosa, his, his top assistant, Um, Even acts of retaliation, such as helping to leak uh, an accuser's personnel file to discredit her claims and sully her good name and reputation. Um, So it it might not just be Andrew Cuomo and the state of New York as defendants, but it could also include those who were actively, you know, aiding and abetting. It could. And that would be a dynamic that we we haven't seen a lot of over time. It, the, the pattern in practice we've, we see happen all the time where a, a powerful person, man's uh, inner circle, uh, think Bill Clinton, um, closes ranks and does more than just try to protect, but actually goes on the offense uh, and blames the victims preemptively, attempts to smear and, de- and dis- uh, discredit them uh, ahead of time. Uh, so we see that dynamic play out over and over again. If through civil suits um, this time around, some of those co-conspirators were actually held liable, that that would that would indicate a, a, a new uh, a new dynamic in anti-sexual harassment law, and it, that would be interesting. I was actually surprised in the report that the attorney general also laid blame on Andrew Cuomo's younger brother, Chris Cuomo, who, of course, uh, has a primetime program on on CNN. And according to the attorney general, um, while Chris Cuomo, you know, was pretending to be this objective journalist, he was secretly 
uh, advising his brother on how to blame and to some extent uh, defame the victims for misinterpreting what uh, uh, was the governor had done and and, you know, also basically calling them liars by advising him to deny the accusations. Um, I mean, he might not be a named uh, defendant in a civil lawsuit for money damages, but my goodness, doesn't that cross all kinds of journalistic ethical lines? Well, it does. And I'm not I'm not sure how much credibility uh, Chris Cuomo had going into this as a, a supposed independent ethical journalist, um, it, it, that, that's probably one of the least surprising parts of the report is that, um, you know, a, a harasser's brother used his own position to, to try to defend his brother. Yeah. Uh, I, you're a lawyer, uh, you're out in California, um, and the legislature will be pursuant to the New York, uh, constitution, uh, moving forward, it appears with impeachment proceedings, as I mentioned earlier, uh, in the assembly, a simple majority vote is required to impeach, and it appears that they have uh, more than enough for the majority, which then puts it into the U.S. or into the uh, New York Senate. Um, unlike the U.S. Constitution, which talks about high crimes and misdemeanors, and, and you know you have to demonstrate those, whatever those are, the New York Constitution is really silent. There's really nothing in there. So. This is sort of a quasi-legal but mostly political exercise by the legislature to impeach, um, but they they can pretty much do anything they want, correct? That's what it seems like. And what's interesting is that I, I think you're, you're correct. This is a, a political exercise, but in this situation, it, it doesn't appear that it's going to be a partisan one. Uh, which, you know, even so, even though it's a very political action, I, I don't think that that's going to impugn the, the legitimacy and credibility in the eyes of the public to what the what the legislature chooses to do with this. Yeah, you know, not too many people uh, believe Andrew Cuomo. Um, is that in part because there are simply too many allegations and, and too much incriminating evidence identified in, in this report. I mean, you know, it's always a he said, she said, if there are no eyewitnesses. But here, the, the sheer volume of accusations, does that lend credibility and reliability to the accuser's accounts? Oh, it's hard. It's hard to it's hard to answer that. I don't. I don't like putting out the message out there that credibility for uh, of accusers is built on volume. I, I think that's a bad message to send. Um, <laughs> on the other hand, you know, I think it is important to to read the report and realize that what e- that the the end result and the conclusion about credibility lying more with the accusers than with the accused doesn't rest on the volume of accusations. Even taking each one independently, some of them, there were corroborating witnesses, for example. And 
Uh, some of them, the reason why the accuser was found more credible than Cuomo is because Cuomo's own denials lacked plausibility. Uh, so I, I, I think that that shows that accusations like this can come forward. You don't have to rely on there being a huge trail line and group of accusers before someone can be held liable for improper sexual harassment. Uh, but, it, it, you know, I think this this entire exercise demonstrates the importance of more situations like this undergoing thorough, legitimate, inve- factual investigations, because those investigations can uh, can turn up uh, conclusions that can be trusted beyond just everyone's gut instinct about uh, whether I believe or don't believe a particular accuser. Well, I have you. I want to talk about another story um, that that nobody is really covering, and you're acquainted with this. Uh, apparently, rapes are up dramatically in female prisons because men who claim they are women are being transferred into women's facilities. Uh, is that true? And tell us about it. Oh, this is this is happening all over the country now. Uh, California is a is a terrible offender in, in this regard, but so is uh, Washington State. It's it's really infecting the country. Uh, there is a premise now behind the law that self-identifying into a particular sex category is sufficient. And when you carry that over into the prison context, you get laws like we have out here in California. Uh, SB 132 took effect in January and literally allows any male prisoner to request a transfer into a women's prison simply based on self-identification as as a woman or as non-binary. And that results, of course, in biological males being housed with biological females. And of course, illicit sex, including rape and assault, is going to is going to in, uh, is going to proceed from that. That's one of the many reasons that we have historically and traditionally separated prisons based on sex to begin with. And we're seeing the effects of that in California already, even in the first seven months of this new law taking effect. There have already been dozens of male prisoners placed into living quarters and housing quarters uh, in in women's prisons uh, and reports of pregnancy and sexual assault and physical assault have have already started coming up. Uh, women prisoners have been forced to file administrative grievances over this, um, and yet hundreds more transfers of males into women's prisons are pending and about to occur in California. Is this, I mean, is this the woke mentality run amok, uh, resulting in you know, in the cases of rape, horrific results? Well, it is. And it goes it, it, it is stunning to see the lack of concern from the very same progressives who have have uh, professed to care about women's rights and women's safety uh, with respect to male violence, turn a blind eye to the consequences of a policy that disregards sex and replaces sex with gender identity. Uh, and this is this is the result of it. Uh, the United Kingdom has a similar policy in its prisons, and a woman there, a woman prisoner who was brutally raped by a male prisoner claiming a, a, a female gender identity, 
uh, asked for a judicial review. And that review just came down in the UK a few weeks ago. And sadly, the court there determined, you know what? I I see why women are afraid. I see what happens to women. But it's a legal policy for the prison to decide to honor the wishes and desires uh, of the identity uh, of these male people who who want to claim to be to to be women. And so women's safety and exposure to male violence is, is now across the Western world seen as an acceptable uh, level of collateral damage to honoring this vague, incoherent concept of gender identity. Well, the progressives who claim they care about women's rights uh, by their actions apparently don't. Uh, Candace, thanks very much. I've been talking to Candace Jackson, uh, an attorney in California uh, who uh, was the attorney for Kathy Shelton, you may recall, a victim of sexual assault, uh, the attacker defended by Hillary Clinton. She's author of the book, Their Lives, The Women Targeted by the Clinton Machine. Candace, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Greg. 